guys, welcome back to another episode of Black Girl Manifest Podcast. This is Brittany. And this is Anika. Hi, how are you? Hey girl, I'm I'm good. I just you know what kind of voice this is I got here today. What? This kind of voice I got. I don't know what this is. Oh I don't know either. Not wrong with it. That's my white newscaster voice. <laughs> Reporting live. This is Karen. Reporting live, this is Blood Girl Manifest Podcast. These are your hosts, Brittany and Anika. It's not a very white-sounding name, but we'll continue. <laughs> How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little tired, but I'm good, Chad. How about you? I'm saying I'm, I'm all right. I was thinking I would, you know, go ahead and have my plants water, but I will do that after this. I'm, I'm good, actually. I'm a little tired, like you say, but I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Got up and got me some coffee too. Like I packed up the coffee maker, and uh, I packed up the coffee maker, and I just didn't feel like getting out the box. But then I was like, maybe I can get up and go to Starbucks. But then I forgot we ain't fucking with Starbucks, so I didn't get up in enough time to go to the black owned coffee shop down the street. It's like 15 minutes away. Well, that's what's up. We shall have one. But next time you know that the coffee maker is the last thing you pack. You leave the box open and put it at the top. But you know what? I don't drink coffee like that. I don't have to have it like that. Like, either I love coffee and I'm drinking it all the time, or I'm not. Ain't nothing between It's tea for me, but I just be putting it in the microwave or whatever. Yeah, I could that work, too. I'm going to pack the kitchen up so we can fucking go. That's the last... The kitchen is the hardest part for me. But, it know. sure is, because all that trinkets and shit in the kitchen, like, do I really need all this stuff? Do I need 16 goddamn measuring cups? I don't. Throw them away. Well, can I have eight of them? Because I have zero. Let's let's balance you out, baby. I don't know where mine be going. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that's why I don't bake good. I don't measure shit. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Oh, no, man. That's not how baking goes. <laughs> Well, speaking of baking, guys, we have a special guest on our show today. Um, this is my one of my best friends. She is the owner of Love Box Sweets. So if y'all need some strawberries and stuff, we'll put the link in our bio. So um, good, y'all. So good. And so so pretty as well. Yes. Um, Thank you. She and I have been friends for so many, I don't even know how many years we've been friends, but um, welcome, Akia, to the show, guys. Hi, Akia. Burr, 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 burr. Hey, y'all. Thank so, you for having welcome. me. So we're going to, this episode, we're actually going to talk about mothering and the different forms of mothering um, that we have to experience and that mostly you guys go through. So I'll be just having an open conversation with you guys. And um, I'll start with, you know, you first, Akia, and then Brittany, you can chime in afterwards because I know you guys will have uh, lots of perspective on this because these are things that I've been wondering if somebody who would like to have children at some point. Um, so we'll start it off just kind of light. So Akia, I want to talk about um, some of the sacrifices of motherhood um, and then I don't, not to bash, you know, the fathers, but versus what a father would have to sacrifice, because I think we all know how that goes. So let's, let's talk about some of the sacrifices of motherhood. 
you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking like, where do I begin? <laughs> because, oh my goodness, like, there's so many, you know what I mean? Um, I know, like when I initially, like when I first had my son, it started off with like, okay, this is a newborn stage. This is just a stage. So like what changed immediately for me is just like, of course, sleep. Um, but then also just like not really doing the things that I used to do, like, you know, going out with friends or going to get my nails done or even at that point doing my hair and eating, you know what I mean? But so you think it's like a season and for some other people, it probably is just a season um, because you have to be very conscious about getting back into the mode of like taking care of yourself and doing the things that you want to do. And I know for me, I never got back there. So as far as sacrifices, like I, I, I don't even know where to begin because it's like my, my whole life now is either about like being a mom or at this point, being a wife. Mm. I'm just getting, like my, <clears throat> I have two children, um, ages four, four going on five, my son, and then my daughter, it just turned three. I'm just getting to the point where I'm getting more serious about like not sacrificing so much for them and actually getting back into a Kia mode. Wow. And that's sad, <laughs> but that's just the reality of it for me. So you definitely sacrifice any free time that you had. Like, I mean, I guess I'm sure at this point, free time is like what steady goes out the window, but just your, like you said, your ability to get up and go to get your nails done or whatever, because now all that has to be planned out if you go. But from what you're saying, that's just on the back burner anyway. So that, that's a huge sacrifice. Brittany, what do you mm -hmm. want to do? Um, well, for me, I noticed like, well, not for me, but sacrifice really starts like in the as soon as you find out you're pregnant you're sacrificing your body mm -hmm. <laughs> um you're uncomfortable you are throwing up you're super nauseous like you can't concentrate you feel like you're forgetting shit all the time you mm. just going you know just not crazy but it's just it's uncomfortable because you don't know what it looks like really and then while you do have people who are you know, making sure that you have what you want and have what you need and trying to make you comfortable is still an uncomfortable time because you're the extra person having to go through it. Like your belly's stretching out, you're getting stretch marks, it's an itch in it. Um, and then tomorrow with the kids, they, yeah, like it's been times too where even now I struggle with how do I make time for myself? Or now I find myself like, if I want to read a book, like I told you, I, I put a timer on, like, okay, I'm going to give myself 30 minutes to read this book. Um, or I ain't been to the nail shop before, you know, before quarantine. I haven't been to the nail shop in so long. It's like, yeah, I could spend these 60 to $100 getting my nails and my feet done, or I could buy something for the kids. Like, I know Carson needs some shorts, or I need, no Maya needs some art supplies so she can do her thing, or I know... Malik really wants some Roblox, Robux stuff for his PlayStation. Like, yeah, I can wait. I can, I can do this another time. <laughs> or not even the kids. Like, I know my husband really wants this. I'm gonna go ahead and get it for him. Like, he got me on the back end. He'll get my nails done or whatever later on. But 
it's just like if you say it's a struggle with for me it was a struggle like being a mom super young and then having to take care of somebody that was super young and then being a wife as well so let's pull over we're making two stops the first thing um comparing it to fatherhood obviously fathers are not making that um much stride as far as sacrificing because for one they don't have to carry the child so you guys you know being married and stuff you are you pretty much saying you know that they can move about more freely than you and you just have to pretty much take the l for lack of better words okay a thousand percent <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you so yeah it that's a great point you guys because it actually starts in pregnancy you know what i mean so because i remember having feelings like you ain't the one got to carry this baby. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be up all night, sleep a certain way because you can't breathe. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, and then, so I think if, if I can be all the way transparent because the most of the sacrifices are on you as the woman, or in my case, they were, not only just did the sacrifices start during pregnancy, but also like a little bit of resentment. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, yeah, okay. I can see that for sure. Yeah, and I, I know um, on my end anyway, so, you know, pregnancy thing or even just the labor or trying to heal. And then in our case, I felt like like my husband, I felt like he he was very, I don't know how intentional it was or if it was just like, he just was still going with the flow, but other than, you know, having another child and then after a while, two more kids, um, I didn't feel like his life changed much. That's, I feel like that's a major life change. Everybody should feel it, but from what you guys are saying, it just that's not the reality, the situation for it. Mm. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say like um, I have you know my kids have two different dads, my older kids, and then Carson. For him, I can definitely agree with with a key on that and like he had two other kids before I had my two kids and my two other kids and it, to me it's like okay well it's just another damn day to be honest it was like uh he didn't even show up for my son's birth he wasn't there at all I had I literally had my son by myself um so that's that on that but then on the flip side of that Having somebody who did have a child previously and lost a child, he, my husband was there 100%. He was wanting to be there. He was wanting to see what was going on. Are you hurting? Are you, do you need this? What you want to eat? Da, da, da. He really doted on me, and I really appreciate that. And one thing I will say is the responsibility, the, the mommy guilt of wanting to go out and going to do things weighs a lot heavier because he's able to go and do freely because oh my wife got the baby you know my wife got crossing or whatever but it's to me it's and i know he would say different and feel different but don't nobody want to to me 
you can't get somebody to watch your child every weekend because like as a mama where you going what you doing like you you been you went out last weekend you did this you did that like damn right. like, you going out every goddamn day what <laughs> why can't i go do something you know so that's just how i that's how mommy will get to me sometimes and it may not be the perception that everybody else has but like in the back of my brain it's like okay you went out last weekend you went out tuesday you did this you did that and people gonna have something to say about it so our second stop was actually mom guilt and i heard you say that from saying sacrificing your nails to think about you know Maya's art supplies and everything else you've like made you make yourself feel guilty like i could be doing something else so with that and you just brought that up again i know that mom guilt has to come from what society expects a mom that she should want to do you know what i mean and not having realistic expectations on i'm a mother i would like to get the fuck out the house as well so like akia how do you knowing that it's there do you like are you i know you deal with mom guilt but like how how do you navigate that because i mean it's got to be in like your threads of your being as a mother you know what um this is another thing that like how i got how i'm getting to the point where i'm going to start taking like self-care like being very intentional about self-care um like over the last few weeks actually i've been thinking about like mom guilt and just on a daily basis what i kind of go like ugh, all this stuff is like where do i begin so um most of the time most of us are doing the best that we can and unfortunately because um a lot of the fathers kind of get off a little easier if not a lot easier then a lot of pressure falls back on you um i know it's even like during the quarantine, it's been crazy for me because I've been having to work from home, keep home together, you know, take care of my kids, but also try to teach them at the same time and making sure, since they're not going to daycare, making sure they don't fall behind there. Like I got a son about to go to kindergarten, if, if that happens without everything going on. But um, so on a daily basis, I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You can be doing this better. And I'll just tell you, before I get to how I've navigated, I'll tell you like a lot of where mine comes from is I'm very conscious about the way that I was raised by my mom and where things, things that happen that I feel like should not have been happening. I'm very conscious about how they affect affected me like later on in life and how they affect me right now and so I'm very like I'm, I'm like hyper conscious about how I'm affecting my kids because I understand that I could miss as a as a parent and especially as a mom you had a you have like your ability or your influence on your kids is major and so I, know, I don't know about other people, but I know mine comes from when I feel like I'm getting it wrong or if I'm not spending enough time or if I'm not taking enough time to teach them or if I'm yelling at them too much. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always like, I think beyond like 
right now today or in this moment or in this hour, I'm thinking about like later on in life, like Aaron's up under me all the time will Cam feel like I didn't put as much time into him. So anyway, um, going back to what I was saying, the way that I'm like becoming a lot more serious about uh, self-care, I'm also uh, starting to be very intentional about telling myself, you are doing the best that you can. And not only are you doing the best that you can, you are trying to be conscious of the way that you're treating your kids and that you're spending your, spending time with them and you are, you know, showing interest in them, et cetera. So not only am I doing the best that I can right now, but I'm, I'm constantly trying to like grow and become a better mom. And I've been lately, like when I start, when it starts to creep up on me, and I start feeling guilty, I just remind myself I'm just doing the best that I can. That's important because I don't think, I don't think from what I can tell that mothers do that enough. Um, yeah. Because I also don't know what the daily struggle is, the daily internal struggle, but that's got to help to kind of reprogram and rewire you beating yourself down. And I tell myself, you kids going to be all right. <laughs> so, you know, they know I love them. Um, like I know that they know that. So, that's where I'm at with it now. Yeah. So you, you mentioned um, a little bit of trauma. So I know um, from what Brittany has shared, she's had some trauma in her own childhood. Um, and Akia, I know you may experience a little trauma as well. So having to then turn around and, you know, mother somebody when you've been through so much and so, like, how do you deal with that as a mother? And I, I mean, knowing that you want to, you know, parent differently than how your mom, your, you know, your mom parented you. How do you kind of work through that, especially knowing that there was trauma on the front end? Well, for for me, um, I'm, I'm, I don't say I'm glad for like the things that happened because I'm not like they I'm I'm it really kind of messed me up the things that like me and my siblings experienced growing up um but I think like when I was telling you I was because of what I've been through I'm like like hyper oh you know conscious about how I'm affecting my kids if it did any good it it, it may because I feel like some some moms not all, but a lot that I've observed. I don't know if I ever sat down and talked to another mom that that was really like, dang, like I'm whatever I'm doing on a day to day basis, like I'm shaping who my kid becomes. I don't know. Sometimes we so busy and so caught up in life. Like, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't know if, if other people just sit down and give that some thought and try to be like intentional about their parenting. But for me, because of the things that happened to us, it's, it's made me very, I'm kind of glad for it because it made me a lot more conscious about how I treat my children and how I care for my children and, you know, who I let my kids around. And, um, but it's, I mean, it's tough because you are trying to, I mean, if you are a conscious of how your parents treating you, how it affects you as an adult, 
first of all, you, you, you have to come to the point of being aware of it because not everybody is, right? And then you have to get to a point where you want to fix it because it will affect the way you treat your kids, even if you, you're trying to be conscious of it. Um, and then that's where I'm at where my, with, you know, my situation, like I'm, I'm trying to undo that trauma in the midst of being stressed out, of making these sacrifices, of not taking care of myself, right? You're, so you're trying to undo trauma at the same time uh, that you're trying to like be a good mom. It's very difficult. Yeah. It's very difficult. Um, and that's why I would say, you know, if you've experienced a lot of trauma growing up, um, seek counseling. That's what I'm doing now. Because I'm realizing, like, I got to do something with all this, this, with all of the trauma, because there's no way I really can be the mom I want to be or the wife that I want to be if I don't get some of this, like, out of me, you know? It's good that you recognize that. What about you, Brittany? Uh, I definitely agree with Akia. I think I've learned that my purpose in life, um, <clears throat> well, my purpose for being a mom and a wife is like breaking generational curses. So, no, not whooping my kids unless it's something super duper extreme. So I feel like, I, like I've said before, you can talk to your children and you expressing your disappointment in your children hurts worse than putting your hands on them or cursing at your kids or um, just just the things that we were taught, like you talk back or you sigh at your parents, like <sighs> that's a form of disrespect. Like I, I've heard from other people that letting Carson say how he feels about something is too grown, basically. He's four. If you don't like the, the goddamn chicken nuggets I made, let him say that. <laughs> like, so I'm not wasting chicken nuggets. <laughs> like, I just don't understand like how a child. <laughs> I think we just put too much thought and too much. I think I think how children say stuff could be sassy but they don't know they being sassy. And so when he tells me something sassy, I'm like, oh, Carson just being Carson. It don't bother me, but it would bother other people. Like it would bother old, old, older people of our generation that would really do something to them. And I can tell, so I, I would just say that I'm here to break generational curses. It's hard. Uh, I have a lot of trauma as well, like uh, physical abuse with my you know, between my parents, sexual abuse, all that kind of stuff. It's hard working on yourself and having a raise to, you know, children because it's like, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. I don't want to ever have to, I don't want my kids to be in the same positions that I was in. I don't, I'm even conscious of like, me and my husband argue, I don't want them to hear that. Yeah. I don't, I want them to be like, you know, maybe I don't hear mom and daddy argue, maybe a handful of times. But I don't want them to, because when I think of my mom and dad, I think it's like no love there at all. I don't think I've ever seen my parents hug. 
definitely don't remember seeing them kiss. And I want my kids to be able to say, yeah, my parents been together for 60 years. They're just the most loving people. I want a relationship like my mom and daddy. You know, I want I want to experience a love like this. And for me, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that at all. I knew, like, when I was younger, like, hey, I don't want this shit. And I thought, like, fuck that. If I ever got to get married, I don't, mm-mm. No, I don't want it. I damn near don't want kids. And it just turned out something totally different. So working on your stuff and having kids, that's the biggest struggle because it's like, I really need to work on myself. I got a whole lot of shadow work to do, but I got to raise these goddamn kids at the same time. So like, it's you, you parenting yourself and parenting your kids at the same damn time. So what I'm hearing, like, and we'll we'll go with you, a kid. Like, this this daily internal struggle that you guys have to intentionally parent your kids, um, knowing that you've had trauma. Obviously, your husbands know that they were traumas, but it doesn't seem like the dots are all the way connected with how that is a full circle in motherhood. You know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. compared to how they are more free. If anything, you would, you know, think it would be like, oh, I got this. So it's just like, there seems to be a disconnect with, with the men. You know what I mean? So, I mean, obviously I know that, you know, we're all still navigating that, but that's just something I noticed. And it just, is it, do you guys have like, feel like that's worth having a conversation about or is it come up before? You know, like this is without sounding like naggy, I guess. For me, it's come up before. It's, um, like I, I made a joke like, and you can do whatever you want to do. Like it was the truth, but I, was, I, tried, I made it a joke because I was joking at the time. And he was like, you ain't got to feel like that. All you got to do is tell me like you want the kids. I mean, you want me to get the kids. And I was like, but I shouldn't have to tell you that all the time, you know? So now he's like, especially when we knew more people and knew more things to do back at home. Hey, go out with your friends. I got it. You know, go ahead and do your thing. Or go to your mama's house. Or go get you something to eat or whatever. I got the kids. So he, I think he's been a lot more aware, and especially like when I'm highly stressed, he can notice a lot better. But if I'm pretending like everything is okay, then that's not going to raise his radar. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm trying to make sure I understand the question because um, when you say not like connecting all the dots, as far as the father, like what do you mean exactly? Like, well, as far as he knows, he's a father, obviously. He knows this is what I do as a father. These are the things I do, but not really taking into full consideration that oh, no. you know, you've already made all these sacrifices and then to turn around and connect the dots with you know, the past trauma that you've experienced, how that is full circle on how you choose to parent versus what they may offer mm-hmm. as an insight to you, to your motherhood. Okay, that's a great question. Um, so I just want to make sure I understood. So um, yeah, like, ugh. I know for me, um, personally, uh, in the midst of like trying to undo my trauma and be conscious about the way that I parent, I also, since I had my kids, have dealt with like, like mental, I guess, health issues, because there's something about like going from just worrying about yourself, like when, before I had my son, I was a college student you know, had my own apartment, did what I wanted to do, to switching to being all about someone else and never getting back to any 
even just a little bit of the life that I had before, right? So that switch has done a number on my, like my mind, you know what I mean? So I've struggled with like depression um, here and there. I've struggled with like anxiety. Um, and then also that trauma, it, it's like, it's a good thing to be conscious about the way you're raising your kids, especially if you know the effects that parenting, the parenting that you had uh, affected you. But then it also, for me, it's created a lot of pressure. So then that's a whole nother thing. And so like, my husband knows all my stories. He knows what I've been through, but he just cannot relate in a lot of ways because he came from a, a much more like stable background. His parents were together. They're, they've been married for like 30 something years. He grew up in one house his whole life. You know, he's around his, like I'm from a whole nother state. I'm not even around my family and my friends that I grew up with. He has that, you know, he's very grounded. And my life was not like that. I, I've experienced a lot of chaos. And so trying to, one, get him to understand um, my trauma, but then also trying to get him to understand the ways in which that shape how I parent my kids, there is a, a huge disconnect. Like for me, um, like my husband works long hours. Um, a lot of times when he gets in, the day is almost done, right? So him coming in, you know, the kids are excited to see him. He's excited to see the kids. But then also as like a father, um, there's a lot of things that he might say or he does say, like I might let the kids get away with. When really you've been gone the whole day. You don't know how many, you know, how many times I've, you know, ask them to sit down or do this or eat or do this. So by the time you come in, I am worn out from the day, right? And it looks to you like I'm just letting them, you know, do what they want to do, right? Um, so there's that. But also for me, like Brittany was talking about, you know, with, with the whoopings or constantly yelling at them or... Um, whatever the case may be. Because I'm trying to be conscious about the way I parent, I also know that like in the black community anyway, because that's all I can speak on. There is a whole lot of, like when you were saying about Carson, if he expresses the way that he feels, it's looked at as like he's being too grown. I feel like we really need to go back and reevaluate where we got this stuff from and how it shaped us. You know, for me personally, I feel like when I went to school, um, just like the white kids in my class, they were a lot more expressive. They seemed to be a lot more articulate and they, they seemed to be a lot more confident about expressing themselves. Whereas like, I know exactly how I feel, but I struggle to get up and say something or find the words or, you know, put it together. Like right now, I'm probably like rambling, but I know what it, I know what I want to say in my head, but it's all over the place. Cause I'm not, you know, I have had to got, I've had to get used to like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I just say that to say in, in relation to like dealing with my husband, you know, he comes from a very old school, you know, 
um, old school parents, his parents are a little uh, older. Um, I think there is an idea of like, you know, what a child's place is. And to, so where it may seem like, you know, I'm letting my son talk back, which he's really not even that kind of kid. My son is very, I, I'm conscious about letting him express himself, right? We, we as women, a lot of times, don't want to deal with like an emotionally unavailable man or a man that cannot communicate well, right? But then a lot of us are raising our kids, not, don't talk back. Do it because I said it. It don't matter how you feel, right? Hello. You have to be conscious of not just the black man, but the black woman that that you are raising. Because if you keep shutting them down, you won't let them say nothing. You look at it as disrespect. And not only do you tell them it's disrespectful, but then they get in trouble for it. Then they're going to start being quiet and suppressing their feelings. And so going back, <laughs> let me get back to the point like in relation to, to trying to let my husband understand my trauma and why I'm why I parent the way that I do. Um, we have not gotten to the point, and I think we will, um, you know, eventually. But we just have not got to the point, gotten to the point where uh, he really understands like the whys in, in which I do, and, and not understanding it's not me being passive and letting them do what they want, like. I want to hear what my child has to say. His feelings matter to me. And that does not make me um, a bad parent or raising disrespectful kids. I'm trying to uh, raise uh, emotionally intelligent kids. So, so add to what you said about letting your children express themselves. I, I think I'm on the same page. Um, going back to your kids about letting your children express themselves, Sometimes kids just want to, as adults, we want to know why in the situation too. <laughs> so why can't they know why as well? So an example, the other day Carson put out his favorite basketball shorts after dirty clothes and they were dirty. And his dad was like, no, you're not wearing those. And that's all he said and gave him some new shorts. And he was like, but why, daddy, why, why don't I wear these shorts? And he was like, well, don't talk back to me. It's like, he wants to know why he can't wear these shorts. Just tell him he can't wear these shorts because they're dirty. That's all. And it'll be dead on it. <laughs> That's it. Just, they just, if we want things explained to us, why can't things be explained to children as well? Like, make it make sense for me. Because logically, they don't make sense. So, y'all, okay. A kid brought up my next, what I was actually going to say, and started, you know, that that whole thing starts from somewhere in our childhood where you know in our community the black elders are saying hey all this talking about we're not gonna do we're not gonna do but then they failed you on the emotional aspect and now a lot of us have problems articulating i even have like you gotta niggas out here with whole college degrees and i'm having when it's time for me to say something it's like word jumble and not realizing until like now like that's where that shit came from. So I want to talk about parenting your inner child and being able to recognize uh, where some of this shit started at. You know what I mean? Like you got to parent your children, but then you also have to go back and reparent yourself because a lot of what, what was originally done has fucked us over and silenced us. So like 
Akia, can you tell me about like, you, I don't know if you actively work on parenting your inner child, but just at least recognizing where some of, you know, your inner feelings are coming from, you know what I mean? Like, how do you deal with that? Well, you know what? I'm glad you put it that way. Cause I didn't, I, I know that I'm like constantly doing it, but I didn't give it a name. You know what I mean? But parenting your inner child, that's, that's exactly what it is. Cause um, I'll, I'll give an example. Like I'm a control freak and I always have been. Um, but it really didn't affect other people until I had a family. So when it was just me, I didn't have to be conscious or considerate about being a control freak. Usually, you know, it, 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 it uh, was a good thing for, you know, like school, being in college, like, you know, I might be in a group setting for a project and I'm like uh, very... Uh, may come off as opinionated or I might have thought like my ideas were better and I had no problem really voicing that. Um, was different when you're in a family dynamic. <laughs> and I realized that one day I was just sitting and thinking, I'm like, why am I so controlling? And I realized like, I ain't have no control in my childhood. There were so many things happening to me and nobody gave a damn to ask me even how I felt about it or apologize for it. It was just like, I had no, just to give y'all an example, I know you, you guys probably know, but for your listeners, like I grew up in Long Beach, California, where I'm from, Memphis, Tennessee, and Michigan, Benton Harbor, Michigan, right? I went to a bunch of schools. It were times, there were times when I didn't even live with, like my dad was in jail for 19 years. So my mom raised me, but there were times when I would go live with my grandmother and me, my sister and my brother all had different dads, right? So they would go live with their dads and I would go live with my dad's mom and my cousins and all of that. So there was no stability. No, there were, I, I, I bullshit you not. There, there was a time where we were living in Long Beach and my stepdad moved to uh, Memphis with my mama's people. And she, my mama had heard that one of her cousins was supposedly messing with my stepdad. I bullshit you not. In a matter of like 72 hours, we went from living a life in Long Beach to now we in Memphis. And this is our new life. Boy. that will fuck you up it was a lot of that going on so I say that to say like it made me overly controlling when I when I became an adult I was I was very uh particular about my life and my way and and grounding myself and putting putting my feet down and saying how it was going to be because I had no control over what my, my life was chaotic growing up and I just had no control over that. And so in the like in my household, I'm realizing like, okay, if my husband cooks or if he gets the kids ready or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You may be putting on clothes that don't match. Right. But is that hurting him? No. So part of, 
like parenting my inner child is being able to say, yeah, you did have a fucked up life. It was chaotic, but you can, I understand why you went into extreme mode and wanted to control every little thing, but now you can let some of that go. You don't have to be, it's now I'm at the point of understanding that I don't have to be in control of everything, especially when someone else doing it their way ain't gonna hurt nobody. That's just one of the things. That's just to give you an example. Like, yeah, like I'm realizing, like I'm starting to realize like, damn, I'm, I'm controlling because I always feel like I didn't have control. Or when I have a disagreement with somebody, it goes from zero to 100 because I never felt like I was hurt. And so one thing I started journaling, like maybe two years ago, I stopped, but I want to start back, right? When I was journaling, I realized I wrote, I'm always yelling because I never feel heard, but me raising my voice don't make nobody hear me any better, right? So that's another thing. I never felt heard. Through all that chaos, nobody asked me anything. And then whatever I did feel get work up some courage to say it was shut down and so how that translates in, into adulthood i'm handling disagreements in an unhealthy immature way because i just want somebody to hear me but that's not okay so those are just those are just some of the things <laughs> those are just some of the things that's that's kind of profound wow Brittany. um for me I had a lot of chaos and chaos in form of uh, physical abuse. Like my dad would put his hands on my mom and I was a lot of arguing about simple shit. Like I remember one time my mom and dad was arguing about popcorn. It's like popcorn, like popcorn. <laughs> and so that manifested into my adult life where I got weak somebody who was like my dad and I was having to argue all the time and fight and stay in my own damn ground. And then I get with this, I get with my husband and he's everything that my dad and my previous relationship wasn't. But all I know is chaos because I'm a fucking tornado. That's all I know, right? I grew up to be a fucking cyclone and it got to the point where if he would say something that I disagree with, fight, round one. And eventually it broke us a lot. We, we broke up behind it. And I was like, you know what? I really like this guy. I really like him. Like I see myself with him for the long time. I need to work this shit out before is we're not together. So it took a lot of um it took a lot of conversation with my mama. It took a lot of conversation my mom was really open to having conversations, thank God. Um my dad was alive at the time. It took me having conversations with him that he didn't agree with, he didn't like. Uh as an adult I was being too grown, I was being too sassy. I'm telling him what I didn't like and what he should have done better as a parent and this and this and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, you owe me an apology. You owe me an apology. They're not asked to be here. 
And I asked for you to bring me here. I didn't ask for that. It, it wasn't like I was like, hey, pick me. Like, I want to go to Earth. Like, it wouldn't, <laughs> I didn't ask for that. So I understand that, you know, doing the best. As, as the kids say, you, you know, you're doing the best you can for your kids. But I understand my parents were doing what they could. But at what point you knew you was fucking up and you knew you raised your kids like this? At what point do you owe your kids an apology? I have no problem apologizing to my kids at all. Let's put a pin in that. Okay. Let's put a pin in that. Um, I just wanted to add really quickly a key, and you you actually helped me realize this. Um, you, you know how you're just realizing something in the moment, you just have like an aha moment. I've You guys know I've had the same number for a long time like since i was like at least since 2005 and we're in 2020 my, my telephone number has literally been the same for 15 years and i've not changed it since it's only been, no it's been it's been probably 2004 probably anyway i realized that you know i had a two-parent household a mom stepdad but it wasn't stable and it wasn't abusive at all but it wasn't stable we were always moving um, there was a lot of breakups and it just, it was beyond my control. And I just remember before I knew the term parenting your inner child, um, me telling myself, you know, when it's my turn to have children, I'm not going to do this, this or that. And even just moving out of the house into college, like, okay, listen, when you get an apartment, you need to stay here for this long. You don't need to do all that moving back and forth. You need to, you know, establish yourself. And, and I remember my husband, um, boyfriend at the time would you know why do you have all this stuff why are you harboring all this stuff because I didn't have my mom's basement to keep my shit in I had to take all my stuff with me you know what I mean I had control of that so yes I I get told from him all the time you're so controlling you're so controlling I didn't have no control nobody stopped and asked me how I felt about moving here moving there we moving out then this nigga moving back in and we just supposed to be fine again so yeah, right now it's time to change my number. I don't need to have the same telephone number from high school, but mentally it's hard for me to let that go. And it's, you know, to even just get to the point where I can admit that it's just like, okay, I'm not expecting no call from the damn publisher's clearinghouse who went, go had the wrong number. So it can, I can let it go. But you did touch my bet. You guys are like so in alignment right now. It's crazy. Cause every time you start talking about something else, that's literally my next question in the way I numbered them. So I want to talk about apologizing to your children. Cause I don't think that, and you two are literally the only people I've ever heard say that they apologize to their children it's like apologize that's a concept which i'm totally down with but why is that not you know we can go we can go there anyway i'm just let's just talk about apologizing to your children like i know that's important to the both of you so you know let's talk about that okay um it's important for me to apologize to my kids because i knew i know what happened to me. And I feel like, like I said, I didn't ask to be here. And I'm not always right as a parent. Like I'm still learning and I'm still growing. Like before when I was a hothead, I said, you know, I said things like in the moment, like when I was, like somebody dropped some juice on the floor. God damn, why can't you do this writing? Da, 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 da. Like there are three, bruh. <laughs> there are three. <laughs> a lot of uh, liners like, damn, that was harsh. There are three. Like, why do I have to 
talk to them like they're 33. Like, it's not, that's not cool. But I also noticed, like, as you apologize to your children and you learn your mistakes, I literally said my daughter down one day, I was like, hey, I'm sorry for how I said X, Y, and Z to you. I said, this is not an excuse. I said, but just as you're learning and growing every day, I'm learning and growing every day as a parent and as as a person as well. I said, so I don't, I said, this world is going to beat you up by itself. So I don't want you to feel like when you come through the doors that you're going to be beat up again. So I want to apologize to you. Um, whereas um, my husband apologizes, but one thing I have an issue with is their other parent. I have a story behind that. My kids, my two oldest kids, Maya and Malik, uh, 13 and 12, they have a different father. And Malik is my emotional child. I've talked about that before. Um, and he don't, he don't do no like crying or, or nothing. He's just aware of his emotions as a boy. And so I remember like maybe two or three years ago, he went to his dad's house and his dad said something to him out the way and he cried about it because what he said was mean and he was calling me on the phone to tell me to come pick him up or whatever and when I picked him up he told me uh daddy told me to stop all that faggot ass crying and so I immediately put my shit in reverse because what you're not gonna do first of all I don't say them type of words to my kids. My kids ain't ever heard me say the word faggot. And I hate saying it now. I think I'm gonna bleep it out on the episode. Like I don't, my kids ain't never heard me say no word like that, ever. Don't say, what makes you think that you can say that to a child? And then what makes you think that just because they are crying, why do you relate that to that? Why? And so when I said that to him, I said, you owe him an apology. I don't owe him no apology. He a kid. I ain't got to apologize to him. I said, but how you said that, you could have said that totally different. Hey, Malik, what you crying for? Stop out of crying. I, I, I don't like you crying like that, but why would you equate that, him crying, to the F word? Why would you do that? Yeah, they already got to go to school, and if they highly emotional at school. That's what the kids gonna say at school anyway. He doing all that crying, you gay and da 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 da. He might at this point he don't even know what gay is. Like why would you why would you even say that to him? And so from that point on their relationship was a very stressed. Cause Malik was like, but I'm not I don't like boys. I I, I don't so that's that's what my child knows it is is the F word equates to liking boys. I, but my, I don't like boys. I don't understand why he would say something like that. Like, I'm, I'm upset. I'm mad about that. So it, it, it put a lot of strain on our relationship. So I I've know that from just watching the my their relationship with their dad, I'm hyper aware of the things that I need to change as a parent and what I need to do. And I need to apologize about things because I'm not always fucking right. And just the way I felt, felt like my parents need to apologize to me for some of the things they did. I'm, I'm going to do things wrong as a parent too. And it's not, well, I mean, mama, shut up and be quiet. It's not that. It's 
hey, okay, I apologize. Tell me how you would have liked me to do it. And maybe next time I can do a lot better. Because kids are people too. Kids are people too. And I just want, I want to raise um, emotionally intelligent, intelligent children. Don't go around hurt. It's, it's not cool for men to grow up and hurt all these women's feelings. Because then you get a bunch of hard bodies and then y'all talk about, well, women ain't women no more. Well, men ain't straight. <laughs> like, all you do is lie and have babies with everybody and then you, you produce these type of women. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You apologizing to to your children? Oh, Lord. So I apologize to my kids probably 10 times a day. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because I told Anika the other day, like, I need to, I don't want, like, my kids to, I apologize. Okay. I mess up all day. And that's, that's part of me trying to be conscious of how I'm raising them and, and also putting too much pressure on myself. Um, but because I'm aware that I'm messing up, like I don't say, oh, well, you know, or I'll fix it, but I'm not going to let them know I was wrong. I apologize to my kids so much. I had to tell Nicola, I, I need to, I don't want them to get to the point where they're taking like emotional abuse off of someone and then or any sort of abuse not saying I'm uh, abusing them but I just here's how my mind's working I don't want people to do this do constantly do things to them later in life and be able to say oh I'm sorry oh it's okay it's okay Okay. it's okay it's okay so that's how much I apologize my kids I don't want them to get used to people apologizing and treating them a certain way but they don't know that mommy's working on herself and you know I am a far cry from like where I was like mentally but um but I'm still growing and so I'll tell you for me it it became very important to um apologize to my kids because I know how much an apology a sincere apology would have just like healed a bunch of trauma on my end uh we went through a lot of stuff and I know a lot, like I said, I was raised by my mom. I would have a stepdaddy that came and went as he wanted to. It would be like, I ain't with him no more. I couldn't, it was days where they would be breaking, fighting, tearing up the house. He would leave. And this is the only daddy I knew. And uh, he would say, give me a hug. Daddy about to go. No, don't hug him. Two weeks later, that's your daddy. You respect him. Like, what? Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, but all that to say, there was a lot of like, just chaos. And, um, although I did have my stepdaddy at times, he wasn't, it just was not consistent. And so my mom would love to say like, you know, I may not, me and my brother, my sister can quote this line by line, but you always say, I'm not the best mom, but I'm the only mama y'all got. And where y'all daddy's at? Mm. Like that would be the daddy that she you picked. That you picked. I was hey, if I was conscious of anything, even as a child, I'm, I'm sitting back like, all right, you pick these dudes. And that's how come I I went, I didn't plan my kids, but it's certain activity I'm not I, I'm just not gonna have with anybody because I'm not gonna have kids, but I just know anybody right 
But anyway, all that to say, a lot of like the way my mom's thinking was, it's like, I'm all y'all got. So it's what you get. Be grateful for it. And like Brittany said, or one of y'all said, I think Brittany, like I didn't ask to be here. Hold on. You know what I'm saying? I'm very aware of the fact that y'all sat down and made me and you chose the partners that you chose. And so you're dealing with your, your choices, right? But all that to say, never, I would say never was there an apology every now and then when she would get drunk and get out her feelings. Um, every blue moon, she would apologize if it was like a big situation that happened. But it always was the, I'm sorry, but. I'm sorry, but. Nah, just be sorry. Right. Because it would make a world of difference, but everything was, I'm sorry, but y'all daddies ain't here. And so anyway, all that said, I'm so apologetic with my kids because I know what a, a sincere, as much as I, I tell you, I apologize probably 10 times a day, every time I'm sincere. Even if it's just too much, kids probably like, okay, girl. <laughs> it's 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 sincere and it ain't a it ain't a mommy sorry but it's just mommy sorry I and, and I explain to my children you know it's times where like child if, if certain black folks around my house they would say I'm getting it all wrong because there's times probably on a daily basis my son would tell me I'm being rude to him <laughs> and then my son let me tell you, a four-year-old, okay? He's about to be five, but he's very smart, very, like, emotionally aware because that's how I'm raising him. I let him express his feelings. And so there are at least one time out each day, every day, he'll tell me, like, okay, mom, but you didn't have to yell. and You're being very rude. Aww. And, you know, sometimes you all, you, hey, you, you already doing so much throughout the day. I'm not gonna lie and say there are any times when I wanna say, excuse me. But I try, especially with my kids, not to take offense because he felt like I was being rude to him. You know what I'm saying? And so immediately, most times, I'm sorry to say, you know what, you're right. I didn't have to yell. And I was being rude and mommy, sorry for that. Or there's times where I'm, where I am, you know, in the midst of whatever's going on and I'm frustrated. And a lot of times it don't even be about them. You know what I'm saying? So I have to circle back around from some stuff I did earlier. But I'm the kind of person, if if I knew I was wrong and I don't admit that, it's going to burn me up. So sometimes at the end of the day, I, I, I hug my son because a lot of times it's him, unfortunately. Like my daughter is younger and she don't, she's not as... Uh, She's aware of what's going on, but she don't, she is not the point. She's not as expressive as him. She's just kind of like, oh, whatever. She's just having fun. But with my son, he, he, he called me out on my shit, okay? So a lot of uh, times in the evening, if I don't address it during the day or at that time because I'm frustrated, I circle back around and let him know that whatever I did, it wasn't right. Because not only do I want them to be able to grow up, and be able to say, I'm sorry, and not, I'm sorry, but, but I'm sorry for how I treated you. Not only that, but I also want them to understand when they're being mistreated. 
I'll explain to him like, you know, it was not okay for mama to, to do X, Y, Z, you know? So he understands that that kind of behavior is not cool. And I literally tell my kid, mommy's working on herself. <laughs> so, and I'll, I'll say this one last thing. Um, like I'm not, I get a lot of stuff wrong and I'm not looking for no, like no acknowledgement. And I don't, sometimes you're doing things and you are working on yourself and you got it, it's really to yourself. Um, but other people can see it. Like I had a conversation with my stepdaughter just last week, a, a very deep conversation. And she said, you know, you're a great mother. And here I'm feeling like I'm a shitty mother, even though I know I'm trying so hard, you know, it's just easy to beat yourself up, you know? So when she told me that it made me cry and I was like, really? You think I'm a good mom? She was like, you're a great mom. I never, she said, I've never seen a mom apologize to their kids. Mm. so not only is it you know me trying to help shape my kids to be you know good people but then my stepdaughter season I didn't even I, I was not even aware that she was aware of what what I was trying to do so, okay. so, like, so one of you mentioned earlier I can't remember who like I think it was you a kid like you know, you are kind of shaping the foundation of how your kid is. And so our foundation is our elders, shut up, you're doing too much, all that sass. I'm the parent. I didn't do nothing wrong. I'm not apologizing to no kid. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, we grew up with so, so many issues. So yeah, definitely, you want the respect, but you got it wrong. Whereas you are allowing, you guys are allowing your kids to, you know, realize like, kind of being vulnerable with your kids. Like, hey, I actually fucked up right here I'm, I, and I'm sorry and there's nothing wrong with that because it's like what's the worst case scenario then they just know right from wrong a little bit earlier and they don't have an internal struggle with self on should I you know is this a, is this acceptable to deal with you know what I mean I, I think that's important because you kind of starting early on well if my mom can give me an apology I can expect one for you know I know when I'm for real be, um, been doing you know somebody's doing me wrong so I really think I really just thank y'all for even showing me that that's even a concept because I didn't even like apologizing to your kids like what so I want to thank both of y'all for even just making that a thing separately so I I, I live I stand thank you <laughs> thanks um I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about <laughs> your relationship with your friends who don't have children um, after you guys have had children and like the differences, obviously I'm, I'm one of the friends. Um, but just, just thinking like, I know for, for being in Brittany's shoes for a second, when she first had Maya, I, we were so excited, you know, to come visit. And I remember at some point me and another friend were into some shit and I immediately thought about Brittany and I was like, dang, she's at home. She don't have to deal with any of this. But then on the flip side, she doesn't didn't have the freedom to be out like we did you know so it kind of made me think like well damn how does that make her feel you know it's a lot of things that she's not able to do you know and then i'm pretty sure as a friend i at some point put pressure on you should be able to do this or do that but you still have to mother and still maintain your friendship with the ones that don't have kids so like how, 
um i'll start with you Brittany. how, how was how was that i ain't gonna lie i was jealous yeah. i was jealous about, i was yeah i was jealous of you i was jealous of my other friend i was jealous of the other friends that i didn't have i mean had who didn't have kids i was like damn like they had just got the freedom to do whatever the fuck they want to do to be honest and I don't have that no more. I don't even know what that looks like because like I said, I had kids young. So literally jumping off the porch from your mama's house, then jumping right onto the porch of motherhood. Like, let's go. Like, so I didn't have, um, I didn't have no celebrate the twenties. I didn't have that. So I was like, damn, like they, they got niggas, they got this, they got this. Like, I want to, <laughs> I want to, be able to go to the club whenever I want to. I want to be able to just be free. I was genuinely jealous of that, but that as I got older, I realized like, hey, maybe that was not the life that you were supposed to have. Like, um, and it was hard because I had friends who told me, I had friends who would say, well, dang, you can't never do nothing no more. I got a baby who needs me. I can't. So it was hard because I really wanted to spend time with my friends. And if I wanted to spend time with my friends, guess what I had to bring along? The baby. Um, because at that point, my mom was like, okay, girl, like I love you and this little baby, but ain't no watching a little baby. I'm not doing any of that. And then for me to have another baby, like, a couple months after having another baby, it's like, oh, yeah, girl, I'm definitely not watching two kids, so I didn't have, I feel like I missed out on a lot of time, like, um, even though you and I got closer, I feel like I missed out on a lot of time being your friend. And, so, and as a friend of some, you know, not having kids, of being, so, you know, friends with you having kids, I felt like there was, you know, I, there's a little bit of guilt there too, just in retrospect, like the trigger just wasn't there for me to, you know, necessarily think about, you know, everything you were going through, like, yeah. we should have been doing this, we should have been doing that, because everything was at that point school or college, but thinking about it now, it's like, dang, as a friend, you know, there's a lot more I could have done to be supportive, you know, and it just, it just, you just weren't, everybody is walking in their lane at that time and not even necessarily considering the other person. Although I remember you having Malik and Maya, we was going everywhere, and, you yeah. know, but at the same time, there was times when we weren't and there was time when I feel like, you know, you definitely could have been supported more. And just as a 20 year old, that just wasn't in, on my conscience. You know what I mean? So now looking back on it, it's like, I can't blame y'all. Y'all was living y'all life and I had something totally different going on. But I do remember like being like, damn, they can do whatever they want to do. And, but y'all was having, I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I was just jealous because I wasn't able to do those things. I wasn't jealous because y'all were, shut up, be quiet. I wasn't jealous because y'all were, y'all heard me, I'm going to tell shut up. I'm sorry, Carson. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, jealous of the friendship or you know the things that you were doing i was just like damn like i really wish i could be with my friends a lot more and not even thinking of the guilt you may have had when you did go out with us sometimes and your kids weren't there right 
Like who was probably somebody was probably even reinforcing that for you. What about you, a kid? Like I know you, you, you know, you had kids not necessarily later on, but whatever, you know. You still yeah. had friends. I'm still a friend. I'm sure you had other friends that didn't have kids. It's like, girl, come on, let's, you know, whatever. Well, you know what? Um, yeah, it was a little bit different for me. And just to add to what y'all were talking about, like even Anika has said to me, uh, Brittany, like she felt bad even about like your baby showers and stuff at the time because they just didn't have any idea. Like they, y'all were so young. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, I thought that was, I just thought about that, but um, for me, I had my son when um, I was 27. So at that point, I literally the year I got pregnant with him was the year I graduated from college. So I thought I was done. I had to go back and do a class, but it's, but in my head, like school was done. I had already partied. I had already not really done what I wanted to do as far as like traveling, cause my life was like work, school. Sometimes I was working two and three jobs. So in my mind, once I graduated, I could really live my life. But for the most part, I got to do a lot of what I wanted to do before. And I was actually the friend with no kids. Like I had a best friend who had two kids. Mm-hmm. And when I met her, like her son was already like four. So I got to see a lot of the sacrifices she had made. Like I wanted to go party and she would be like, let me see, can I find a babysitter? I'm like, I don't want no parts of this life, you know? Right. Um, so I know how, to, how it is being a friend with no kids and now being a friend with kids to people who don't, um, don't have kids. But for me, so all that to say, it's really at this point, like I'm, I've always been a homebody anyway. Um, I'm okay with being at, at home and not going here and there. It's just more so like, I do need that girl time start making more time for girl time because it's important or just, you know, getting the, getting out. But it really ain't the staying home. It's more so like uh, with my friends that don't have children, it's just trying to get them not to like romanticize about what motherhood is because it's easy. Like I have a friend, um, she, she be mean and well, but like when I explain kind of some of what I'm going through, it's just like, Girl, I would just do this. Girl, I would just do that. And don't even worry. Like, you're doing fine. And she has no idea. Like, that sounds good. Mm. But, you know, maybe you just would have to be in my shoes. And I understand that because I had no idea the level of sacrifice and um, the toll it would take on me and, and how drastically my life would change. So I understand, like, not getting that until you in it. Or whatever so that's that's the thing for me not really like going out because that like i said i had my son when i was 27 i had already partied and all that kind of stuff but just uh as far as my friends with no kids just trying to get them to understand like this shit ain't what you think it is um and then also being uh compassionate because i understand what i used to think it was too and i had it twisted I will say for sure, even though this short time that I've had my husband's niece and nephew, I've definitely realized like a lot of what I felt motherhood would be, especially for me, it definitely was romanticized. It's kind of like, <laughs> Brittany put something on Facebook about, you know, being a clown or some Ronald McDonald shit saying my <laughs> kids gonna listen or my kids gonna do that. And I really feel like, 
you know, I had the full red ass lipstick on, like the party hats and everything, because these kids came here and it just, they pretty much dictated and I had to kind of adjust to that. It wasn't, you know, obviously on the you know flip side, it'd be different with my own, but it's just not what I thought. And sometimes, you know, what I would consider lazy parenting, you have to do to just get through because you, you would go crazy, you know, constantly addressing every little single freaking thing. Like, especially if you're control free, especially if you're control free, especially <laughs> You know, you was raised from school of, shut up, shut up. You know what I'm saying? So the last thing I wanted to address, and then we definitely will lighten the mood. Um, I want to talk about the elephant in the room because I think it's important. Um, I want to talk about postpartum depression. And I'll start with you, Akia. Um, I want to talk about your view of postpartum depression before you had children because I feel like I had one view of what it was until you know somebody that actually went through it and it's like, you know, this is what it really is. So I want to talk about your view of postpartum depression before having children and then what it's really like after having them. So let me tell you what I thought before I had kids. Nothing. Because I was not even conscious of postpartum depression. I don't even know if I, I'm not going to say I didn't know the term because I'm sure I did, but girl, what did I have to think about that for? You know, the friend that I did mention that um, that had kids, like when we became friends, her son was like three or four already. So she, I just saw her like, all, all I know is she always had to get a babysitter. I didn't really see her like depressed. And she was really like my only friend that had kids. So it was not anything that I had to give any thought to. Um, but uh, when that shit happened to me, <laughs> Um, man, like, after I had my son, I was pretty cool. I was just adjusting to, I, I won't say I had postpartum depression. I was just, you know, you, you have such a drastic, like, life change. It's going to affect you. But it was more so after I had my daughter. Because when I had my daughter, I had, for a few months, I had two kids under two. And that shit wore me out. And so I know for me, I didn't, I never went to see anybody about it. Um, I did, I was trying to figure out myself, like, is there like something chemically going on in my brain? Because it came months after I had my daughter. It wasn't like an onset thing after I came home from the hospital, you know, when your hormones going up and down, it was months later. Um, and I'll tell you, for me, it was like this my day after day after day was just like, you know, early, getting kids ready to go to daycare, taking daycare, go work, get off work, feed my kids, bathe my kids. Like, I felt like mine, and I don't, I don't know if this is like a term, but mine was like more, I felt like circumstantial or situational versus like chemical, but I'm, it may have been a, like an imbalance. Um, but I noticed like, I would feel extremely depressed when I thought about the fact that my life wasn't finna get no better or change no time soon. I had small kids, they still small, but <clears throat> I didn't like what my life looked like or felt like and how it was not about me. And I, and part of what made me so hopeless, like feeling like it, I just had no fucking hope cause I knew it wasn't changing no time soon so i knew like this every day is what i got to look forward to 
Bruh. And so I, I don't want to harp on, I want to give uh, Brittany the chance to talk, but I'll tell you this. Um, I feel bad for anybody having to go through that. I still battle with depression here and there. I just have been very conscious about like not getting stuck there. And what, one thing I'm telling myself now, so I don't get caught back in that place, is a bad hour don't have to be a bad day. Or like a bad day don't have to be a bad week. Or a bad week don't have to be a bad month. A bad month don't got to be a bad life. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or year or whatever. I'm now, the way I, you know, deal is just like understanding that whatever I'm going through, it's a moment or it's a day or whatever. And tomorrow I'm going to try it again, you know, and try to deal with it better. But back when I had my kids in 202, I didn't see it like that. Like all my days, I was wore out. I was sleep deprived. I wasn't eating. When I had my daughter, Anika, you know, I had lost so much weight. People at work thought I was doing fucking drugs. You were really. I just wasn't taking. I found out years later, like, I had a lady tell me, two people tell me, I thought you was on drugs. We didn't know what was going on with you, bitch. Drugs? Girl, I just wasn't taking care of myself. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I just want to say this. It got so bad to the point where I did not want to live anymore. So part of it is feeling that level of sadness and hopelessness and still trying to be a good mama, still having the pressure of like um, trying to show up for these kids when I'm not showing up for myself. And then furthermore, trying to explain to my significant other what it is I'm going through when they just cannot understand. So it was a tough time for me. I did not, unfortunately, I did not seek help. If I, if I would have, then uh, maybe things would have improved a lot more quickly. But I, I'll say it didn't really like let up for me until my kids started getting older and started. I, mean, I remember one year, like maybe not, la not last year, but like the year before, I had like a bad year. I mean, it was, it was terrible. Um, and it, it started to change for me once they got older and started getting a little more self-sufficient. And I did have a chance to sit down and eat, even if I had to eat standing up real quick. You know what I'm saying? When I started back doing something for myself. But it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing and it sucks because a lot of times, like I said, before I had children or experienced it, it was not even a, a thought. And so a lot of times people just have no idea what you're dealing with. And then another thing, I don't want to take up the time, but let me just say this. Let me just say this. You, for like for me, trying to, one, one way that I deal with like depression or anxiety is I, I kind of talk things out with people who make me feel heard, Right when you going through some shit like that, like I remember like no shade at all. I love my mother-in-law, but sometimes she would just be the one around because I didn't have a lot of friends that like all over to my house. Like my mother-in-law would come and see the kids pretty often. So I would try to sit down and talk to her about how I felt so overwhelmed. And, you know, I was dealing with depression, even my own mom trying to explain that to her. And I think those women just come from a different generation I remember feeling like my feelings was dismissed. Like my mother-in-law would tell me like, 
well, I had four kids and I did this and I did that. It's okay, baby. It ain't, it ain't this and it, and you can't tell me what the fuck I'm going through. And one thing to know, it could be another girl with the, with kids, the same age, with the same behavior and the same kind of man. And she may not deal with any of that. We, we just two different people. So then I also learned that, you know, I wish if I could go back and talk to myself, then I would have sought help or found a safe place with, you know, someone I felt like it was safe to talk to because what don't help when you're going through that is feeling like, well, damn, how are other people doing it and ain't going through this shit? Or you have like the people that come around and say, I, I, I didn't, I just did that. Sorry. It just take me back to like that mindset that I was in at that time. And it just sucks because I really just got to a point where I didn't want to live no more. That shit is real. Like, Wow. I hate that you went through that like that, Akia. Thank you. I really do. <clears throat> I want to say, like, before I share my story with postpartum, I want to say that now I feel like I shared my postpartum story on Instagram last week and so many women reached out to me. So many women reached out saying that they had the same feelings and the same thoughts and in my little mind I felt like it was isolated. Just like this probably don't happen to a lot of women and it or, or black women, and it doesn't happen to a lot of black women. In my mind, I'm thinking it's because we don't hear stories about that. We don't, as a black woman, you are supposed to be strong. You are supposed to just get it the fuck done and keep it moving. Like there are studies on how black women are quote unquote stronger and can endure more pain than anybody else when that's not true. And I want to say that um, I am going to, like, make it my life's mission to help women who are going through postpartum because I didn't like how I felt when I went through. For you to have a, you, how many checkups you get when you have a baby? Like, what, 12, 14, how many ever you have? And then you have the baby, you get one six-week checkup one and that's that that's it the focus is not on you as a mother it's all about okay let's get immunizations let's do this let's do that and even at your six weeks checkup it's like you doing okay all right Mm -hmm. y'all have a good day um so like akia said i didn't for me i didn't know what postpartum was um and I don't even know if I was aware that it was a thing, especially having two kids as young as they were. Like, nobody in my family ever addressed it. Nobody ever said anything about having postpartums. So I did not have postpartum until I had Carson, and I was 29 when I had Carson. And I think it had a lot to do with I have a eight- and a nine-year-old who can, who are self-sufficient, they can do for themselves, they can do everything, but 
damn near make dinner by themselves. So if they want something from the freezer, they can pop something in the freezer. They can wake up on their own time. They can get dressed. They can take a shower. They can do this. They, they don't really need me besides taking them places, being a chauffeur, and cooking dinner. They don't need me, to be honest. Um, and I can say they're harsh, but they're they doing their own thing. They're kids. And so for me to have a newborn baby, it was really difficult. And it was, I want to say it was difficult for me from the beginning when I found out I was pregnant because my pregnancy with Carson was far more harder than I ever had. It was like the worst pregnancy I've ever had. And so it didn't start off like as soon as I got home, but after a couple of weeks, I was like, I feel different. I don't feel like myself. Um, the time was like a blur for me, but I remember crying a lot. And when people asked me why I was crying, it would make me cry even harder because I don't understand like why I'm crying. I don't understand why I feel the way I feel. I'm getting frustrated because I can't explain to you what the fuck is going on. It was never a point where I wanted to hurt myself or hurt Carson. It was just like, it was now looking back on it, it's just, it was so, it was being so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed. And Carl was working in the evening time and I was at home with Carson throughout the day. And I remember him coming home one time and saying, damn, you didn't cook? Excuse me? Like for men, it's, to me, I can't say this for everybody's situation, but for a lot of people that I know, it's like, okay, you had the baby, you at home, why the house ain't clean, or why <laughs> dinner ain't cooked? And I had to, I had to let him have it. I really did. Like, you at you're at work, and yes, you may be doing strenuous stuff at work, but I'm at home with the newborn baby. I'm the person who gets up at nighttime with the baby. I'm the person who has to feed the baby because I was I was trying to breastfeed at the time. And I think that's another thing that made me kind of feel inadequate as a mother because Carson wouldn't like take breast milk. Or I, I just, I wasn't knowledgeable enough. And so I felt inadequate as a mom because like, damn, he won't even take the damn milk from me. Like, what else do I have to give? Like, so, I had to let him have it about that. And um, after after that, he was a lot more helpful. He was, he was emotionally, he was amazing. Like my mom was living across the street. It was just, it was my hormones. It was just every fucking way, everywhere. And I remember going to the six week checkup to talked to my doctor and me and my sister had been talking about it and she was like you sound like you got a postpartum you need to talk to your doctor talk to my doctor and he was like how are you feeling first of all white man how are you feeling um and that's all I could get out and I just started crying he was like do you want to hurt yourself no I don't want to hurt myself do you want to hurt your baby no I don't want to hurt my baby okay um here, I'm going to give you this medicine. You take this medicine. You let me know how you feel in a month. What? That's, that's all you got for me? There was no, hey, let's 
get you hooked up with a therapist. Let's um, let's have another visit and see what we can do. It was, hey, take this milligram of medicine. If that don't work, up your dosage. If that don't work, up your dosage again. And if that don't work, you come back and see me. And so I took the medicine. I took the medicine for about two weeks, and I did not like. I felt like I couldn't tell the difference. I still was crying. I still didn't, you know. And then talking to my husband, I was like, "Well, I don't want you to have to take medicine to uh, cope with how you feel." Well, nobody is giving me any other avenue. I don't know what to do. And at that time, I wasn't aware of therapy. Um, but it kind of that postpartum depression kind of manifested itself into probably depression that I already had, but I didn't know that I was anxious and going through stuff because like I said before, like my life was so chaotic and stuff. I was just dealing with things day by day, but postpartum depression definitely manifested itself into other depression in my life until I was able to see a therapist. And even now, like Akia said, I still, Carson's forward and I still struggle. I still feel like I'm struggling with postpartum like it's times where I don't want to get out of bed it's been times where I haven't taken like this is gross but it's been times where I ain't been able to take a shower in four days it's been times where my fucking hair was matted up and I couldn't get a fucking comb through it it's we need to take care of mothers and especially black women when it comes to postpartum depression I'll never forget that story where the girl in Memphis she had all them kids and she was there by herself and she had about six kids, and she killed herself and all them kids. I'll never forget that. It's like, damn, that could have literally been me. If I didn't have, you know, people in my corner, if I didn't have people who were, okay, I'm going to come get the baby, or I'm going to come cook you dinner, or I'm going to come do this for you, I'm going to come do that. Like, my mother-in-law was really big, like, hey, I'm going to cook y'all dinner. She didn't know what was going on, but, hey, I, I made dinner for you. That's one less thing that I have to do. And so, even the fact that you even feel like that's one last thing I have to do. Like, why is it that you even have to do it? It's just so much pressure. Yes. Yes. And yes. So I, I, when that, when, when I noticed that girl killed herself and she had all those kids, like people, people like to talk about things as it's happening, but once it fades away and does, it's gone, it's no more talk about it. It's no more talk about it. The girl killed herself and now her six kids and it's like, oh, we got to stand up for mothers. We got to stand up for black women. We got to do this. And we got to make check on your strong friends and da-da-da-da-da. Y'all don't be checking on y'all strong friends for real in real life. Y'all don't. Y'all don't. So I'm, I'm glad that I was able to, like, pick myself up on my own bootstraps and take care of what I need to take care of because at the end of the day, I have children and they need to, I don't want my kids to see me not be able to comb my hair for days or not take a shower or just, I feel like a zombie. I feel like I was an autopilot zombie. That's what I felt like. <laughs> and I don't want my kids to see me like that. And I think my, I can't remember what she said specifically, but my daughter said something to me one day and she was like, you just don't look good. You just don't. You don't look like yourself. I don't. I haven't seen you smile in days. Ooh, Lord, I'm gonna cry. Um, I haven't seen you smile in days. You just, you're not the mom I know. And I was like, oh shit, like that's something that really like, okay, what can I do to get out of this? 
And I mean, it's it's no getting out of depression because I feel like it'll always be there. But what can I do to actively work towards it every day? Like, what can if I can get one percent better every day? What can I do to get this one percent better every day? Okay. You said something though. I did wanna. No, no, no. I wanted to say that before what. I thought postpartum depression was just because it's something that's just not talked about at all. Um, until it's like now, I kind of thought it was something that women went through. And this is just so crazy to even think now. It's kind of like you just kind of lose your shit after you have a baby. You know what I mean? Like it's just you can't get it together. You just kind of a little loopy. And it doesn't happen to everybody. Just some women who just don't like their child. They just, that this is my perception of it because. I didn't know better, you know, these are, and this is something I've never expressed to anybody, but these are just my internal thoughts of what I thought it would be because having a baby should be a happy time, but nobody is explaining that you got so much shit going on. You carried a child for nine months for almost a whole fucking year. And then you have to switch gears and then get back to everything. And then where's the real support for that? And then to even think that it's something that, Oh, you just went a little loopy. Like, and then hearing, you know, your, you know, I would be on the phone with you guys and you guys are expressing that to me. And now thinking like, yeah, I was talking to y'all when y'all were going through that and not even realize that's what was going on. But kind of like, if I could like take every conversation and make a journal out of it, that was like a journal of, you know, trying to express your feelings to somebody who probably definitely didn't understand, but just there to listen. It's just like, now I'm so aware of, you know, what that could be and where it comes from and it's just a lot of times I just don't feel like our men like they hear us and they understand but it's more like a delicate like well I'm just not gonna you know ruffle your feathers and not even thinking that I just need a little more help or I need you to just understand from a deeper place rather than you just not wanting to bother me you know what I mean so also adding in that situation like you needing a break from your baby but not want not wanting or trusting anybody else to take your you know i'm gonna come get the baby well no i got it it's, it's okay i don't, I don't want to bother you <laughs> you know yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. And, and just to piggyback on all that shit y'all said and for now i'm also sorry that you dealt with that that's thank you it just breaks my heart especially like maya telling you that because I know what that feel like. My kids never expressed that because they're so young. But I, there's time when I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see. Cause, yeah. but like, at what point do I? When you was talking about that shower shit, oh, that was just this week for me. <laughs> like, I, I have not even had a time to bathe, have time to bathe myself. So then, then you got a man coming home every day. You know what I'm saying? You want to be something to look at, but it's just like, bro, I can't. I fucking can't. But uh, that friend you, that that lady you were talking about, I think it's the same lady because she killed five of her kids. Yeah, that's Al's. Al's. Uh, that her her husband is Al's friend. Oh wow. So he went to the funeral and all that, and he's been, you know, trying to stay in touch like the husband seemed to be doing okay but because I would have lost my mind you know but that very example back when I was going through my shit I would tell him like I feel like I'm about to snap and I never really wanted to hurt my kids but I knew I was on the verge of a real fucking 
breakdown and I knew I wanted to hurt myself, right? So if I feel like I'm already on the edge, if I go over, I what I I felt so bad for that lady because I just tried to imagine the sort of pressure that she was under that would make her there there's a snapping that happens when you want to harm your own kid. I don't think anybody in their own their right mind, unless you're some sort of sociopath, you would you would have to snap in order to harm your children. And I remember tr like trying to get him to understand what I was going through. And he just could not understand. And I would say, you know, I don't want to be her. I need your help. Like, I'm going to lose my shit. And I feel like instead of like, one thing I will say is this. My point in, in, in saying this shit is that for anybody that's listening, that's going through this, like I still, like you said, Brittany, I'm like, I'm still going through this shit too. Um, I, for one, I don't think there's enough education. I don't think it's people out there. People talk about the baby blues, which is after you have your baby, you have a surge in like hormones or like it goes from being really up to going down. And so that's like within a, a, a like several weeks, whatever. People don't talk about that ongoing depression because it's still very real for me. I've just learned how to cope. I've learned again to stay in the moment and understand, like I said, I literally have to tell myself, this don't have to be a bad day because it's a bad moment. That's how I cope, right? Whereas at first, back then, I'm like, man, every day is like this. Why, why do I want to live, right? So I remember telling him, like I said, back at that point, uh, you know, trying to explain to him what I was going through. He just had no, he's never dealt with like depression, um, I'm sure everybody gets sad, you know what I'm saying? But he has never, he's never really dealt with those issues. So for one, trying to get you to understand just like mental health, I don't think there's enough like mental health education or understanding in our community anyway. Uh, but especially for like trying to, as a woman or a mom, explain to a man or, you know, father, what the fuck I'm going through when you just really, you really just have no idea. But one thing that I've learned and I would say for anybody out there, you have to be your own advocate. No, we didn't ask for this shit, but I realized that, and I learned this recently, I was always looking for him to care a little more. And it, I would tell this man, I wanted to end my life. And then a week later, we argued. I'm like, bro, I can't argue with you. I'm about to lose my shit. I feel like don't even talk to me about certain things because I'm not at the, I don't have the mental capacity for this shit, right? I, I realized though recently that I was wanting him to take better care of me than I was taking care of myself. Mm. I was wanting him to like seek help for me when I wasn't even willing to seek help for myself. And so the only thing I would say is when you in it, it seems helpless. I'm still trying to push it. Like I'm, it's a daily, it's a daily thing for me not to slip back into like a deep depression. Um, but it's like this, he ain't going to come ask me, do I want to break? Ain't nobody coming over to ask, can they help with shit? 
So it's for me, like what you were talking about, it's times when I know like I need my kids to go somewhere for the night. But because of the things that have happened in my family, in most, most families, I don't let my kids go nowhere. There's times when I feel like I just can't fucking do it. And I got to do it anyway because I'd rather my kids be here safe with me than to be worried about something happening to them if I take me a break. So then you got that guilt on you. And so one thing I'm realizing is I have to pray over my babies. And, you know, I trust my, my, my in-laws. Um, I just have to be my own advocate. I got to seek help, which I'm doing now. I have to, you just came in the door, you tired? Me too. I'm finna go for a drive. I'm finna have girl time. You have to, all I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, it sucks because I, I just wish there was more support for me and more understanding for me, but you cannot let what, you have. You can't let external shit push you over the edge. Cause I'll be out this bitch and my husband have a whole nother girl and my kids will probably have a stepmama. And what I'm gonna say, y'all y'all didn't, didn't support me. I was crying out for help. Be your own advocate sometimes because sometimes people can't understand. And then also I think it's very selfish to expect someone outside of yourself to take better care of you than you trying to take care of yourself. That's hard to hear. That's, that's true. I feel you on that because I was I was looking for the same thing. Like, damn, he don't even care about me enough to do this or do that. Well, well, bitch, you don't care about yourself enough. Like, you can't expect somebody else. Yes, he loves you, and yes, he he'll do anything in the world for you. He's proven it. But would you do anything in the world for yourself? That's even saving yourself. Like, find a therapist. <laughs> uh say you need help like that's one of the hardest things for me is just like to relinquish i'm not a control freak like y'all because y'all like control i'm not like that but i like to <laughs> i it's hard for me to relinquish control like i got it no i can do it i can do it no i got it it's i'm one of those type of people because i don't ever want anybody to feel like i did this for Brittany. i did i don't want nobody to ever feel like they got a one-up on me ever mm -hmm. i'd rather do it my fucking self but I've learned that it's okay for somebody to help you. And you don't have people in your life that will ever say, well, I did this for you. You can't do this for me. Or I don't have them type of people in my life who will ever feel like they got one up on me. I don't have those type of people. So I'm learning how to let things go a little bit more. Like it's okay for them to do this for you and not feel the type of way about it. Lord, my mama read me my rights the other day, like, girl, let me help you. God damn, like, it's okay. <laughs> so, it, like you said, that you said a word right there. Like, you have to be able to want to help yourself. But it's hard, though. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. I'll just breathe for a second. That was a little intense. <laughs> that was kind of intense. I was just like, ooh, because I'm just, my thoughts are, as you guys know, are all over the place thinking about all this. I'm just like, wow, wow, you know? Yeah. Hindsight is 2020, especially, you know, somebody that was there and have a conversation with you guys. And I'm pretty sure you guys didn't express that, le like, I, I didn't take it as that level of, you know, it was that deep for you guys so it's just it's just it's hard it's, it's it's very hard to hear but it's good to hear you know because where else we gonna hear it at i ain't never heard nobody else talk about this so 
Um, thank you for coming on and talking with us about the Sakia. I really appreciate it. I feel like we all needed this conversation. Um, but let's have a little bit of fun. Shit. So <laughs> this is our rapid fire segment. Um, and you just, this is not a paragraph answer. This is just a quick answer. And, you know, first thing to come to your head and go. Brittany, would you like to go first? Sure. I got two favorite questions I like to ask now. So you ready? All right. Hot wings or rotel? Which one got to go? I'm sorry, new wings. <laughs> the wings got to go? Yes. Mm -hmm. I thought you was a wing girl. Okay, Brittany, go ahead. <laughs> I'm winning here lately. All right. <laughs> Baby shower meatballs or funeral chicken? Which one? Funeral chicken. <laughs> Definitely chicken do be busting. I ain't <laughs> With somebody that got the fat hanging off their arm, that do dumpling. Yes, my mom cooking it. That's who's gonna cook it for the funeral. I want that chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the big breast. <laughs> and the legs that's big at the top and kind of small at the bottom. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want that chicken. <laughs> Period. Okay. What is your favorite song of 2020? Ooh. Was it made in 2020? Yes. Because <laughs> I got a 2020 song that was made some years ago. I just don't fucking have one. I listen. Uh, I listen to a lot of old music. I first. Okay. <laughs> What terrible movie did you love? Watch I say Pootie Times. <laughs> I was gonna say Meteor Man. Y'all remember that? I don't fucking know. Meteor Man? Do you remember that with Robert Townsend? I remember that movie. Shame. She said, "Who? Shane? Oh, I don't think they're moving. Okay. Last question: What would be your perfect Saturday? Being able to sleep. Like if my kid, if my husband took my kids, and I was able to go to fuck to sleep. <laughs> like I'm hoping that happens today. <laughs> Manifest that shit, girl. You going back to Manifest." Come on, sis. That's the Black Girl Manifest podcast. That's yeah. right. Put that in the air for me. <laughs> All right, Akia, ready? Skydiving or scuba diving? Scuba diving. Don't shoot me, but if you could choose the gender of your next baby, what would it be? Boy. What famous person would you like to be best friends with? Could they be dead? <laughs> the who? Um, shit, shit, shit. Uh, 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 ooh. Uh, Marsha Ambrose. <laughs> <laughs> Real random. She gets me. Okay. What's the best compliment you ever received? <laughs> what? Uh, that I was a good mother. Okay. Name something you would do differently if you did have another kid. 
I wouldn't put that much pressure on myself. And finally, name two things on your bucket list. Ooh, um, writing a book and, uh, and, um, going back to live in California. <laughs> okay. I know that ain't extreme, but living, at least living back in California for a year because I'm so fucking homesick. Wow. And it's on a bucket list because it just, it's so like not obtainable right now. Like it ain't no way we moving anytime soon. So I just have to be living there at least one more time for a little, a short time. Maybe I can take an extended vacation there, have an Airbnb and you just work out of there or something. That's, you know, yeah, and it just seems so like not feasible right now. Yeah. So. Well, that was a lot of fun. I definitely I want a book from you, so that would be great. Go ahead and mark yeah. it off. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, let me take that back. Making an album. <laughs> okay, I don't know this bitch. You she bitch, bitch still trying to be a singer. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> let the girl sing. Let the girl sing. Chad, it's just I'm gonna do that shit. All right, guys, moving into our stone of the week segment, I'm really excited about this stone of the week, which is the Tansberry Quartz. Um, I actually went to a stone shop, my local um, like stone crystal shop near me, and I actually was attracted to this stone and I picked it up, so I definitely wanted to um, share with you guys. So Tansberry Quartz is also known as Cherry Tansberry Quartz. is a type of quartz with lithium, muscovite, and lepidolite inclusions. The stone projects root and sacral chakra energy. The sparks inclusions amplify the stone's fire and earth energies. The stone assists in increasing confidence, positive thinking, manifestation, and channeling creative energy. It facilitates emotional healing, positive sexual expression and personal power it's a stone for creatives so because we all want to well i know Brittany and i definitely want to call ourselves creatives and have gotten comfortable doing so i thought this would be the perfect stone to introduce to you guys and it's really um this is a tumble stone um it's a really cool looking stone we'll definitely um, be posting a picture of it on our instagram and that is the stone of the week the tansberry quartz well, this has been a fun, not fun episode, but definitely an enlightening episode for me. Um, definitely glad to have you on. Um, any final thoughts? No, just thank you for joining us and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. It's going to help a lot of people. Well, um, thank y'all for having me. I felt really honored when Anika asked. I was like, me? For real? <laughs> Um, but no, I appreciate y'all so much and I'm so proud of y'all. Thank you. And uh I just I thank you for, for letting me do this. I wouldn't have anybody else on the mother episode as much as we talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Anika, because uh whether you know it or not, even those times where you were on the phone hearing this stuff and not really understanding, it was still helpful to have an ear, and I'm pretty sure for any feel the same way it's front have told you but um thank you so you guys are welcome very welcome that's the least i can do is listen shit you're a great friend like you you never got any judgment out of you ever i swear Aww. i swear it's just like nika give me five minutes like these goddamn kids in the back going crazy da, 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 da. you're like <laughs> okay girl just oh, okay it's fine you know 
<laughs> I appreciate y'all saying that because I I consider myself pretty impatient, but to hear that, you know, y'all don't think so is great. So anyway, guys, um, if you have anything you'd like to add to this um, episode or you just want to chime in and share your stories, please do not hesitate to send us an email. Um, at blackgirlmanifest at gmail.com. That's B-L-K girlmanifest at gmail.com. Um, and until next time, we will see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Okay. Oh, shit. Oh, my bad.